0: This podcast is brought to you by free free is a modern nicotine pouch brand with an emphasis on impact and quality free nicotine white pouches are derived not from tobacco and are made using tobacco premium high premium grade nicotine on the road or on the job feel free anywhere anytime with our high premium impact white pouches uh, I have used tobacco in the past I dipped tobacco I uh, smoked cigarette. I've done. I've still smoked sub- cigars, and quitting was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Well, this is a great time to switch to a stronger tobaccoless pouch. Nine milligrams or twelve milligrams options available in mint, mocha, or flavorless. Absolutely zero usage of tobacco. Other brands say non-tobacco or tobacco-free, but they still extract nicotine from the tobacco plant. Ours is synthetic and even safer. No irritants from nitramines in the tobacco plant. Under $5 per tin, 20 pouches per tin. No spit needed. Don't need to spit. No powder leakage inside the tin. This is an American company, designed, managed, and distributed in the U.S., but not manufactured. Most other dip pouch brands are Swedish or British. Keep it in the USA. Visit freepouch.com to go purchase some of their brand new products. You can use the discount code freebert, F-R-E-B-E-R-T for 20% off for a limited time. Hey guys, brand new Birdcast. Hey guys, brand new Birdcast. Hey guys, brand new podcast. It's Burt Kreischer, your boy, Burt Kreischer, the machine. And I want to give everyone a heads up. My new TV show, the Go Big Show, the most extreme talent competition ever, is premiering Thursday, January 7th at 9 p.m. 8 Central on TBS. Rattlesnakes, alligators, monster trucks, Snoop Dogg, Rosario Dawson, Jennifer Nettles, Cody Rhodes. And me and me, I think you're going to love it. It's every Thursday night on TBS and I want to give you a heads up. So set your DVRs, make sure to tune in. And also I'm ordering Buffalo Wild Wings every time I know they're, they give me a little bit of a spot motherfucker. Let me stop that. Here we go. And, and I want to give everyone a heads up. My new TV show, the go big show, the most extreme talent competition ever. Is premiering Thursday, January 7th at 9 p.m., 8 central on TBS. Rattlesnakes, alligators, monster trucks, bows and arrows, trick shots, Snoop Dogg, Rosario Dawson, Jennifer Nettles, Cody Rhodes, and me. Thursdays on TBS, 9 o'clock, 8 central. I know you're going to love it. Set your DVRs, watch live. Also, my Two Bears, our Two Bears Live is still up at YMH Studios dot com slash live stream. check it out thank you for everyone that came and enjoyed with us that was a blast uh i apologize for no burt cast this or no uh two bears one cave live this week new my god i'm all over the fucking map i apologize i'm I have a weird thing going on where it's like i'm getting too much energy in the afternoon i think because i'm not drinking or not partying and then i'm but like almost like spinning out of control at night i'm obsessed with the crown anyway I apologize for no two bears one this two bears one cave motherfucker this week. Uh, Full disclosure, I think we I think we'll talk about this on two bears one cave this week. But uh, it was a crazy week last week. Doctor Drew got COVID. I'm not going to tell everyone that got COVID, but people got COVID, especially people in our circle. And and we were all testing negative, but we didn't want to. uh, We wanted to stay safe. To be honest with you, we wanted to put all our eggs in the basket of our of our live show because. We've been planning that for so long. We had so much content to share with it that it wasn't something we could just write off. And so we opted and it was me. It was definitely me. I was not doing well mentally uh, with the idea of going in the day before with someone that that wasn't Tom and then doing another one. Like it just wasn't fucking working for me. So I apologize. Tom had nothing to do with it. Also, then Tom apologizes for all the problems you had with the, uh, with the, uh, live stream. It kicked out a couple times. I say Tom apologizes because I don't have that brain. When me and Tom work together, he does all that heavy lifting and I kind of don't. I know I was there to party that night. So I wasn't aware of everything that went on or that there were any problems. So if you had a problem and you were looking for me to help solve it that day, I apologize that I wasn't that guy. But I also apologize that you had any problems whatsoever. That is never our intention. We fired uh, some people, not at YMH, but at the company. People were fired, and new people were hired, and we will solve it. We have a new uh, live show happening uh, soon that we haven't announced, but I will suffice to say, it is what you've been waiting for. It is awesome. It is awesome. Anyway, uh, that's it from that front. I'm obsessed with The Crown. If anyone's watching The Crown, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, You all have my phone number now. I'm going to change phones and get a new phone number because I've been goofed. Goofed or spoofed? Gooned? I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting a new phone number. So if you got my phone number and you've been texting me back and forth, and my one's dead. Anyway, can you tell that I'm a little frantic, Halston? Like, I'm like, oh I I think I drink too much coffee in the morning and I haven't been drinking alcohol, so I have no rebound, you know? So like I'm as opposed to a ball that's inflated to the same level in a hot gym versus a cold gym, like. Imagine me in a cold gym where I don't bounce as the same when I'm drinking versus me in a hot gym when I'm not drinking. I bounce higher. And then I feel like I have to drop higher. Does that make sense? That's actually a really good al- analogy. Yeah, you're running you're running hot, man. You're running hot. You don't have anything to am, take you down <laughs> like yeah. a hangover. Oh, maybe I'll try edible marijuana tonight. Something chill. I got these ones in there that maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll try a little bit. I'm going to go on the treadmill. I am running 2000 miles this year. I ran 1000 miles last year. You'll hear it in a later read. I've already done the reads. Uh, I am running 2000 miles this year. I ran 1000 miles last year and it was rough, but I gotta be honest with you. I phoned it in a lot of the year, a lot of the year I didn't run. I had months where I didn't run a ton. Um, and and I noticed that. And then I thought, I really need to stick to something. I didn't lose any fucking weight last year. I, as a matter of fact, I gained weight. And I ran a 1,000 miles. And so I was texting with Michelle Wolf, who is a legit runner. And I was like, yo, how much did you run this year? Just wanted to put on perspective on my running. And she was like 1,500 miles. And I was like, holy shit. She holds an amazing shape. And I was like, I wonder if I could do 1,500 miles. And then she just texted back. She's like, yo what's the challenge this year? And that is how I think that is. So how I, that's all she needed to write back. And I was like 2000. And she was like, seriously. And I was like, and then you start like Casey Neistat hit me up or I hit up Casey Neistat. Then he replied. He's like, I did 2000 miles last year. It's pretty aggressive. You want to try it for this year? So like, we're going to start it. And if you want to do it, here's the rules is that Michelle and I wanted to be able to add hiking in because, Running is interesting. You can't just say run 2000 miles and you only count when you're actually running because I like to do this thing called fartlicks. And that is where you kind of run, kind of walk, like, or not rock, walk, but jog. So, and sometimes they have you walk, if you're really sprinting, you walk to kind of cool your heart rate down. If you're not walking very far, you're sprinting further than you're walking. I'm talking in fucking circles. My point is, if you want to try it this year, 2000 mile challenge with me and Michelle Wolf, we'll, we'll put all the people that are doing it. Um, we're going to count walking. We're going to count if you, if you, you have to, here's the deal. You can't just go, I hit 12,000 steps on my Fitbit today. That's five miles. You've got to really commit to getting out and doing five and a half miles a day. And so if you're doing that, then that means that if you skip a day, you've got 11 miles on your, I mean, you skip a couple days, you get sick and you are in the weeds for a fucking month it is intense you need some big runs in there some big that's why we said walking should be allowed so we want to be able to take big long hikes like a like a nice 12 mile hike and count it and i think you should count those personally because i know me i'm gonna jog through half of it right halston a 12 mile hike what the fuck <laughs> that's you so ever a Twelve mile hike no oh it's not that bad Oh, it's by it's the way, back. those are the funnest ones because you don't even realize it's a 12 mile hike. You really don't. I tell t- t- you from our house, from where me and you live to Fryman Canyon to the top of Fryman Canyon through the loop and back is six and change six. six yeah. yeah. Do it twice. I've done it twice. No, no, Turn around, no. Turn around go back and do it. Absolutely not. That's my point is if you want to walk it, if you want to get on the treadmill, hit your watch and say, walk run right now or walk right now. If you can put it in, you can be in the challenge. I'm going to, we're going to extend it to everyone because this is a great way to help people get to lose weight. You walk five and a half miles a day, walk on top of what you're already doing. You'll put down calories and you'll, and you'll have a great year. Uh, right now I have run, uh, it is January 4th, January 5th. No, it's January 6th man I really am all over the map you think it's coffee you ready ADHD? this is it probably is ADHD all right you ready here's my mileage for the year I'm at 24 and a half miles for the year damn dude I haven't I haven't run I haven't run today I haven't run today I haven't run yet I got up a I, I had a panic attack last night well, we should talk about that real quick. I had a panic attack last night because uh, this fucking COVID shit is fucking with my head bad. If it's fucking with your head too, I want you to know that you are not the only one. Don't feel embarrassed. I went in bed and was pretty sure I had coronavirus. Pretty certain of it. Felt like I had a fever. I was shaking. I had chills. My skin didn't feel right. And, I, and, and then I knew it was a panic attack. I knew it was a panic attack. I knew it. I knew it wholeheartedly I said I'm having a panic attack I've had these before calm down and then I started going or coronavirus when I'm dying or coronavirus when I'm dying I had to walk out and sit and talk with Leanne and tell her I'm freaking out and then I woke up at eight thirty this morning did not work out that's why I didn't run is I let myself sleep I didn't try to push it and get up early I woke up at eight thirty and I went fuck man that was real last night that was super real like it wasn't not real. And I'm in therapy. I'm doing all the fucking work everyone should be doing. And I'm and I'm healthy. I'm not drinking. I'm, I'm, I haven't drank. I've drank maybe three times since November 30th. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on with me? Anyway, if you're going through panic attacks because of coronavirus, things aren't normal. So don't feel weird. And if you want to grab a little bit of your normalcy, Try to do this. Put your mind somewhere else and do the two thousand mile challenge with me and Michelle Wolf, and hopefully Casey Neistat, and hopefully more people will try it. But yeah, today I should have thirty miles under my belt, and then by the end of this week I got to get to forty. So that's, I mean, it's just fucking overwhelming. What I need is, what I need is a big day. I need like a couple twelve mile days back to back, and really build up some distance, and then I can take like a weekend off. And then your knees feel good. It's just a fucking uphill. It's going to be a long year. Let's do it. 2000 miles and listen to some great music. Speaking of which, today's podcast is a great one. Ooh, you want to talk great music. I am no longer listening to Christmas music, and I am listening to everything I've wanted to listen to all December because I only listen to Christmas music in December, although I cheated a couple of times and listened to this band. 311 one of my favorite bands one of my favorite 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 bands i first discovered them when i was in college we talk i'm talking today with aaron wills aka peanut from 311 Corey taylor cory motherfucking taylor gave a shout out to 311 claiming they're not an omaha band they're an la band peanut responded i'm a huge 311 fan i responded to peanut then hit him up in the dms and was like man i'd love to have you on my podcast and, and I had him on my podcast. I, I tell you what, I listened to a few interviews he did. And I'll tell you where I hung my hat on this guy is that, you know, I think a lot about luck. I, I really respect luck. And he talks about the luck that it has to be a successful band, the, the things that need to happen that are odd. Um, We talk about that a, t- a tad bit. We talk about the band. We talk about writing music and, and their sound because their sound, if you're not a 311 fan, you, you then you should pay, probably pick them up. Their sound is different and fun. and And it's, it's something i didn't really understand where music genres were when i was listening to it the most but man i love 311 beautiful disaster is one of my favorite songs ever i can always listen to beautiful beautiful disaster there's by the way there's a there's a if you're talking like band playlists of like what band has the biggest playlist Where you can listen to that playlist obviously you know beatles are going to like overwhelm that rolling stones are going to overwhelm that Uh, led zeppelin's going to overwhelm that but then i jump to bands like 311 where i go like that energy that time in my life when when day beers didn't mean a hangover the next day that's 311 for me 311 sublime limp biscuit corn um there's like a whole that whole era was just man i was fucking in a uh, 10 foot pole uh penny wise like that whole time in music for me was is like ah so it was an honor to talk to peanut and it's a good interview i think i think you'll like it uh like i said i'm getting better with these where we don't just talk comedy because if i talk comedy I, I don't have to think at all so i'm getting better with these and we'll have more new podcast studio is coming along now i want to put this to you guys listening we are opting, I think, for four chairs instead of a couch and two chairs. Alston, I would love your input, but more importantly, I would love your input uh, as listeners. Here's my theory. No one likes to share a couch with anybody ever, right? And so if you have three people, someone's going to have to share a couch with me. And, and, and because of, of sizing, I think it's better to have two chairs because all you'll ever really use is two chairs, Right. is is me and another person, and it's a better straightaway shot as opposed to what we have here, which is a diagonal shot. We'll do a straightaway shot. What do you think, Halston? Chairs or chair-couch-chair? I like the chairs idea, especially if there's three sometimes, which is rare, but it is kind of bitch to be that third couch seat, right? Right? It is. Okay, good. Chairs it is. Don't hold your opinions, everybody. We're buying the chairs now. We're setting up the new podcast studio. The second that things ease up in this city, for us right now, one in five people that are getting tested have coronavirus, and it's just chaos here. So we're staying as safe as possible, um, and and once it does, we'll we'll open up that new podcast studio and start doing podcasts in there. But until then, you're gonna have to listen to great interviews like today on Zoom. With I was gonna say my friend, I'm so cl- so used to doing. He is my friend, I guess. We talked a little bit. Maybe we'll hang out more. We'll get him in. We'll get him into the new podcast studio and smoke a blunt. Um, from 311, musician, and by the way, amazing podcast guest on Getting Doug With High, Doug Loves Movies. He's been on a bunch of po- the Smokebox with uh, with Cypress Hill, with um, Be Real. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Wills, a.k.a. Peanut from 311. This
1: is... We got,
0: we got wood. Yeah, we do. I, uh, I, I, uh, are you recording? Good, good, good. It is such a pleasure to meet you. I apologize. I just was shooting something and I lit a blunt and I'm trying to counteract that with a cigar and relax. So I apologize. No, I um, I saw you smoking weed with, uh, with, um, well, on Doug, getting Doug with high a bunch, but, uh, (sighs) in in a smoke box with, um, with, uh fucking be real be real my god my brain is fucking fried (laughs) how bad is it smoking in the smoke box
1: uh it wasn't so bad what was hilarious though is we smoked a joint before we went and did the (laughs) did that whole thing it's funny Uh, i saw you hold in the smoke like you were you were legit smoking
0: weed like you were like most people in those scenes like they kind of puff and then kind of smoke it like a cigar but you were legit smoke you were holding it in
1: i like I like holding it in. I remember not having quality weed in Omaha, Nebraska and, and, uh, and then scoring good weed and it being really expensive, like 30 bucks a gram for some wet green indica. And it just tasting so good and just, you know, just falling in love with all those sensations, um, you know, in your head and also, uh, in your mouth. So it, it was, uh, it's something I, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I like making it last.
0: People don't. People don't. People don't share enough about the romantic side of marijuana <laughs> that I think all of us kind of fell in love with when it was illegal. You know, my kid, my kids these days, <laughs> uh-huh. they, they marijuana is easy for them because they can do it and then party like when you, you we were kids we'd you'd have beers and so if you had a case of beers they were in your trunk that was illegal you were carrying around uh paraphernalia but with marijuana you could it was we we did it when it was like it was dangerous and it was like cool I remember opening uh <laughs> opening the the opening the the tub and, and smell not the, like the little jar and smelling it and being like I remember I'd say the same thing every time I go oh it smells like someone cut the grass like it was
1: It was beautiful back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It had moments. I mean, there was also lots of seed removal and just laughing at how, you know, low grade the product was. But also even, I mean, just if you bought an ounce of that, you're the king, right? You had, you, you're the, you know, you're the, you're the man for at least a week and, uh, and music was better. And I don't know, everything just kind of gets heightened and appreciated and, you know, you hear that saying, like, you become more yourself kind of thing. And as a teenager experimenting with weed and music and movies and, and girls, it was, uh, it was great. It was perfect. It actually made things, I'd like to say easier, you know, I mean, yeah, um, you took your time a little bit more, you weren't a nervous wreck, you know, and and all those things in in, uh, breaking ground with your own, you know, trap. Yeah, and, and,
0: and you're you're from, you're born in Indianapolis, but you're from Omaha, right? Right. And how long did you live in Omaha? Did you grow up in Omaha?
1: I moved there when I was like four and I left when I was 17. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's how we got connected is that uh, Corey Taylor said, you guys are always an Omaha band. And you said, no, you're an L.A. band from Omaha.
1: Well, that. was the- he, what I heard, but what I got called out on, and yeah, this is the reason why we're talking at all, <laughs> which is great.
0: By the way, which is you I, we're, I haven't even gotten into my obsession with you guys, so but keep going.
1: Great. Well, I love that, but yeah, Corey was saying that he went to shows, which was cool, which is a great takeaway from me remembering those times of uh, this being our thirtieth anniversary. Um, he was saying that we kind of denounced or or wouldn't claim Omaha anymore. And I just, I think he's, he's mistaken. <laughs> and, uh, and we love LA and we love California. There's no, you know, uh, no two things about it. We've been here for more than 25 years. And, uh, but there's no denying that we're from Omaha. We're an Omaha band. And, uh, and that gave us the freedom to become who we are when we came, you know, to be already who we were when we came to Los Angeles, such a, you know, a melting pot, good and bad of, uh, of bands and ideas. So it was, uh, it was good to have our own foundation and our own kind of self-understanding and our own little bubble when we moved out here, because, you know, I think that move can tear a lot of bands up. And especially as you're trying to, you know, if, if you're trying to figure out who you are, which we were, you know, already Omaha based, um, we, and we said, we didn't want to come out here and conquer Los Angeles. We didn't want to be a, you know, the best band in LA, we wanted to be the best band in America. So we, uh, we got vans, uh, we traveled around for those first six months, as soon as we got a chance and played like 130 shows and, uh, and just kept that up, you know, up until the present tense. How did you guys, I,
0: my, I should not have hit that blunt because my, my mind's all racing, but how did you guys, um, uh, my number one question was how did you guys discover your sound in a time when that sound was not there, I looked at you guys started, got together first in 1988, but you've been together since 1990, correct?
1: Yeah, there was an earlier version of the band that didn't have me in it, so it's it's not worth discussing. Just just, <laughs> um, but they yeah they had a high school version of the band. I mean, I in 88 I was, you know, 14. So <laughs> I was. Like the,
0: I mean, the fact that you guys have been together 30 years, you guys started when I was still in high school,
1: right? Yeah. And, and I was a all, sophomore. Our first show was five days after my 16th birthday in
0: 1990.
1: Really? Yeah. That, for Fugazi.
0: The, the type of music that you guys do, I feel like wasn't around at that time. And I think, and I'm just learning despite being a fan of all music, I'm just learning now what, what the differentiations were with what they called new rock or, or like, like all the different rocks that showed up in like, 97 98 99 2000 2001 like crack rock yeah like and so so how did you guys how did you guys find your sound because your sound's so distinct
1: well i mean it came from the personalities in the band but the music that was going around was already laying down the 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 blueprint you know if not you know a total map exactly of, of how to do it in uh Bands like 24-7 Spies. Never listened to them. Urban, urban Dance Squad.
0: Okay, see, I'm listening to Sanet O'Connor at the time. I think Tracy Chapman was big in 1990. Oh, yeah. I remember in, in 90, um, I was listening to a lot of Guns N' Roses, Poison. I don't yeah. think Nirvana wasn't out yet. Uh right hadn't before happened. There. Yeah, right before, right before that. But you guys are doing stuff that honestly doesn't show up. I want to say you guys are so ahead of the curve with your sound that it kind like, and I don't think I realized that until today, doing a little research, by the way, you're the hardest band to do research on because I just get into a hole of listening to your music. I I start to do research and then I just end up listening to your music and going like,
1: fuck. There's tons of it. we have never been short on being able to write, you know, and that's one, that's that's a good thing. 12 albums. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the sound, I mean, besides what we were listening to, we were all doggedly trying to conquer our instruments, you know, or our, or our wordsmithing, you know, in the lyricists. So we were all really like laser pointed even before we met each other on being, uh, you know, an important cog in, in a, in a group's wheel. So, uh, you know, I don't know. And and, and I, I always wanted to be like the musicians and comedians, but musicians kind of when we first getting started, like musicians, favorite band, you know, if you can do that, then you've got like a, you got a career, you know? And I was thinking about that when I was 15, 16 about just, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's something you feel. You can't really, you can't really think about it, think about it, but you point yourself in that direction and you study your craft and then you overstudy your craft, and then you see someone who's way better than you. And then you're and, you're and you're happier in a group. You know that's 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 the the other takeaway is we we made each other better. I I wouldn't be half the bass player I am without Chad Sexton uh, playing drums with me for these thirty years. And him being so incredible, even when we were kids, he was in college and I was still in high school. But we sat down and we played "Fight Like a Brave." Uh, as our first kind of song. And I was like handcuffing my, my musicianship to his ankle and not letting him go. Uh, and, I, and I haven't yet, and it's, it's a great relationship and I love playing with them. I mean, those, the last streams that we did on the two previous 11th of the month uh, have been just so wonderful. It's like a uh, tear-inducing tear as I cry in my coffee.
0: How scary was LA when you guys first moved out? Like, what was it like? Because I remember mine moved to LA, but I was 26. You guys were kids. I'm curious of like, where did you did you guys all get an apartment? Where did you guys live? What shows did you guys see? Who did you see live where you were like, oh fuck, shut the fuck up. We just saw dot dot dot. Or 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 who were you who was coming up at the time? You're like, those guys are gonna suck. And you're like,
1: oh shit. <laughs> um it was scary. I was 17. I I was uh I I graduated early so we could start playing shows and and recording albums and trying to get a record contract. Probably said that all in the wrong order. But uh, the day we arrived in Van Nuys uh, at the house that we would we would eventually record our second album at um, was uh, uh, a man named Eddie Offord, who helped us get signed and he produced the first uh, yes albums and a bunch bunch of other groundbreaking stuff worked with John Lennon and was it was and is a genius uh, in the in the particularly English way of being a genius and he helped us get in the studio within two weeks of moving into town and uh, recording demos that we would shop to uh, eventually find a contract at Capricorn records. Um, who had the Allman Brothers in the 70s and, and were Southern rock kind of mainstays after the president got arrested with like a boatload of cocaine and I think went to jail. But then in the reemergence, we were like uh, one of the first bands that they signed. I think it was, um, it wasn't Us and Cake, but Cake eventually came to the table. Um, maybe it was Us and Widespread Panic were like wow. some of the first bands to get on there widespread
0: panic, a panic has a place in my heart too there's a lot you know i dodged out of music a tad bit i don't know why i, I really got into hip-hop uh, uh, like I've, I've always been into hip-hop but i i think the older i got maybe to stay youthful i stayed into hip-hop and lately it's, very, a <laughs> it's a, i'm what they call an old head and i know you are too you're a big hip-hop sure. fan.
1: oh yeah uh, I mean, that was that was a part of the sound uh, from the get go. I mean, you can hear the Chuck D emulative, uh, you know, delivering in both Essay and Nick on our first albums because they were such a huge influence. Uh, Chuck D and Public Enemy and the, you know, the Bomb Squad and, and all that, just how that all came together, how aggressive it was and how enlightening it was, how bold it was. Like, we took definitely took a slice out of that pie. And, uh, and you remember help.
0: the first time you listened to Public Enemy and you're like, wait, I think they're singing about me. I don't think yeah. they like me. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the whole fuck Elvis Presley thing was pretty, I was like, I was like, whoa, like you don't really care if anybody likes you, right? Or, or, and or that is a great group of people to lift up. You know, the, yeah. the fuck Elvis crowd is, has not been represented correctly. <laughs> Holy shit dude i uh i mean i I, I probably saw them i might have seen them first with anthrax you know and that being another kind of you know big eye-opener for everybody you know besides run dmc and aerosmith you know that was all that was that was that was gigantic and it still doesn't get enough credit for for both of those musical discoveries to have happened um culture clash and then common ground there within, so so incredible, and you know, just I don't know. We 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 grew up in that glow of uh, experimentation, and uh, and wanted to do our own thing with it. You know, you know, play harder riffs and talk about different things. But that's what that's one of the hugest glues that uh, that I don't think gets talked about in music at all. And I remember, yeah, I
0: remember, I remember where I was when I heard uh, Run DMC and Aerosmith's Uh, together, uh, I was in the back of my mom's station wagon and she had bought me, I'd heard the song and then I bought the tape and I think the tape was an Aerosmith tape. I think it was, it was put on an Aerosmith tape because I bought it and I was like, is Aerosmith like a band? My mom's like, uh, yeah. And I was (laughs) like, and they like have like songs and she's like, oh yeah, this is their song there. And I was like, oh, like it really blew. And, and, and how much, and you said, you touched on this, but like, it's kind of true. That mashup really kind of spoke to where music was going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were all watching MTV, uh, hope, hopefully, or you're hanging out at the kid's house who was watching MTV and, uh, and being able to see Iron Maiden next to Cindy Lauper. I mean, what, what, what else is, <laughs> some magic is going to happen. Something, something, yeah. something crazy is going to happen. You know there'll there'll be some casualties along the way, but but more than more than anything, there'll be this you know this adventurous musical exploration, and I think we're a product of that. and I think that's that's one of the things that still keeps us going is there's still so much to explore, so much so many new textures that the that the you know younger groups are putting together that that are fascinating and it's just it's an it's an open open road, you know.
0: So when you make music, uh, I, I definitely want to go back. Let, I'm going to forget this question. I don't want to ask it and I'll remember the other ones. So when you make music when, and, and you make a certain type of music that is, is kind of like at the time, I believe when you came out to LA is definitely on its own. What you guys were doing is a little, little different. And I think the reason you guys have such a staying power is that you guys are so original. But when you hear a band like widespread panic, who at the time I think was pretty big and they're doing something so different, like legit jam band where I think yeah. people, I think, and I'm listen, I'm not talking shit about widespread. I never will, but people would say at times self-indulgent and where you go there, if you're not on mushrooms, you're like, my wife would be like, what? Are, I don't get it. And I was like, no, yeah. you're, then you just don't get it. What, how do you, how do you reg, How does that, how does a band like that register with you guys when you're young and you hear widespread panic for the first time? Are you like, are you like, man, this is where we need to not go. Cause you're so focused on your path. Or do you go like, oh, man, that's pretty badass. They do their own thing. We do our own thing. But that's pretty badass. Like, how does that register with you as a musician?
1: Yeah, it's, it's that. It was that kind of uh, respect, the respectable. And those guys are playing their asses off, you know, yeah. and, they, and their fans are going crazy. So it's like you can have whatever thought about them, but you could never poo-poo their musicianship or songwriting even even in those long passages you know it's 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 got to be enjoyed live and yeah if you don't get it you're not going to get it but but there's amazing things going on in that in that genre that i really do think and personally experience myself like the you know if it if you see it live it's it's the best thing you can go see you know it's 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 powerful but it's hard to enjoy like in a headphone situation or you know, or driving around, um, for me, but, but yeah, I mean, I remember seeing them when we signed with Capricorn and, you know, we saw fish, uh, in like 94 in Santa Barbara in like a theater. And it was the same thing. I was like, God, I don't really, I don't really get it, but live I'm like, oh my God, like this yeah. is, this is a, this is a, it's a culture, you know, it's a subculture. And I think that's, that, you know, we all we all learn from that. I mean, think about the the comedic subculture and how how huge those rivers are. Once you try and you know figure out how much influence uh, one person has with a microphone in their in their fucked up heads, and how and how that how that is you know it's such a gift and such a bold way to express you know yourself. And it's one of the few times you listen to one single person. So it's I don't know it's. It's important to uh, to allow yourself to get it get uncomfortable with your entertainment and find those new like communities that are thriving and and obscure and uh and you know changing the world one step at a time. You'll just know yourself more, I guess.
0: What do you when you go to a concert? Uh, I wonder if it's changed from when you were younger, meaning like 17, 18, and on the come-up, as opposed to now where you are an established amazing bass guitarist. What do you watch? Like, where does your brain go when you watch it? When you go to a live concert?
1: I'm such a drag. My my wife hates going to shows with me. Um, I just sit and watch. I really try and take everything in as much as possible. Um, I'm not, I'm not there to get loose. I'm there to, you know, kind of experience the the best of what, what whoever's trying to deliver is delivering I mean, I I think of uh, the Thundercat uh, George Clinton show that I saw a few years ago. That was incredible at the Hollywood Bowl. And my wife is like, "Come on, let's let's dance." You know, this is this is George George Clinton, and I'm like, I'm like, I can't, I can't. You know, I'm just I'm mesmerized by what's what's going on. I mean, there's 15 people on stage, and all of them are singing except for George Clinton. So. Something's got to happen. You know, there's got to, there's got to be some break in the tension and Thundercat brought up Michael McDonald. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just sitting there with my jaw on the ground enjoying it. And I can do that at almost any show. You know, if I give half a damn about the artist, I'm going to be mesmerized because I'm I'm still that 17 year old kid who wants to put on good shows and appreciates it so much that, you know, I, I emulate, or you know, like walking on those same paths as uh, artists that have come before me and, and people that are still coming up. I mean, I think about the Mew show that I saw at the El Rey a few years ago. That's a it's a band from Denmark, and their lead singer is like a graphic artist and made a little movie that played behind them, and it was just it's unreal. You know what what people are doing with their fucked up brains is yeah. uh, is inspiring and it's just it's like i said it's just good to get out and then i miss it so much i could i could cry some more into my in my coffee
0: this podcast is brought to you by manscaped who by the way has a new cologne that i wore the other day i'm not a big cologne guy but i'll spray it on every now and then i want to feel fancy and my sisters noticed and i was like it's from manscaped and they're like are you talking about Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels? I said, yeah. And they said, that's amazing. I said, you know, if you want to have clean balls this New Year's, go to Manscaped. Happy 2021. Spoiler alert, everybody. Your nuts are still disgusting. Step into the New Year with a tree-standing tolerance. Shave your boys. Manscaped is here to give you the best below-the-belt grooming can you, you can get. The perfect package 3.0. Is the best below the weight group below the way, waist grooming package you need to start this year off strong. You will find in there the Lawnmower 3.0. This is a waterproof and skin-safe trimmer that reduces nicks on your two best friends. It's also time to freshen up down there with the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-shaving ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're already putting deodorant on the smells part of your bodies. Might as well uh, put it on your balls, right? They also have the Crop Reviver, a ball toner spray. Start the year with a. Fresh set of testes. Thanks to Manscaped. The perfect package 3.0 has a few different ways for you to smell good and feel good. And I am talking about their cologne. Their cologne smells fantastic. The same signature scent that is in all Manscaped formulas. This cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Think of it as your wingman for the night to get people down to your balls, right? Good idea. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Uh, Talking about comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxers briefs are also included, and they will bring your new underwear game to the next level. Bring Saxy back in 2021. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BERT at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BERT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the promo code BERT. New year, new balls. This podcast is brought to you by Raycon. Listen, it's maybe it's a surprise to you. I don't know if I've said this or not. I probably said it in the intro, but I am running 2,000 miles this year with Michelle Wolf, not together, but we're doing it. You can too. Here's my point is I'm on that treadmill behind me to my left all the time. And my Raycon earbuds are my go-to earbuds, mostly because they are tiny. They fit perfectly into my ear. And more importantly, they are uh, less expensive than those high price ones that seem to be breaking or are too big and fall out of my ears when I'm running. I Listen to podcasts nonstop. These Raycons slide in so perfectly in your ear that you can put your head on your pillow and it doesn't hurt your ear. Uh, I'm telling you, you don't have to have those white stems sticking out of the side. So it lo- you look obnoxious, not to say that you look obnoxious when you wear them, Dr. Drew. But I will just say that it's like, oh, uh, we get it. They look great. They feel great. They're sweat resistant, water resistant, play up to six hours of playtime. Look, you've heard me say this before. I, uh, if you If you still don't have a pair of Raycons, get a pair, and you're going to go, oh, that makes sense, especially if you're doing that 2,000-mile running with me. Raycon is offering 15% off all their products for my listeners, and here's what they've got. Here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash birdcast. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order, so feel free to grab a pair and grab a spare pair. Secret time? I have four pairs up there that I rotate on charge. Four pairs because I got two came with... Anyway, my point is that I bought an extra two. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash birdcast. That's 15% off at b-u-y-r-a-y-c-o-n dot com slash birdcast. com slash birdcast. Well, you guys are a band that doesn't let go with touring. Like You guys have continued to tour. I mean, which, which is interesting is I wonder if most bands broke up or they just go out of the touring. I don't need it. We're good with money. You guys, it's almost like, it's almost like you guys got some sort of grant where you're like, Oh, money, money's not our thing. We just love the tour. Like you like, it's almost like you don't seem like, uh, like you don't need money. You know, you just, you're just like, uh, we love playing, you know, it's like, I think sometimes I try to, I, I try to put that out there with my stand up is that I'm definitely not doing this for money. I'm doing this because this is what I do and I love it. I love I love being I love live shows. I'll do it anywhere. Um but you guys definitely tour. What were some of the shows you guys saw when you first came out to LA? That you were like, you were like, well, like what was the first where was the first place you guys were sitting in your place? to so like, yo, we gotta go to the Roxy or we gotta go to the Whiskey of Go
1: Go. I mean, that was me sitting on the couch waving to the guys because they were all 21. Well, right. I was 17. So I don't fucking I don't fucking remember. But there was a few. I'll I'll have to text them and ask them. <laughs> but but I remember we played Gazaris before it changed to the Key Club or whatever it was yeah. in the interim, and, uh, and 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 dosed a little uh, little half dose of mushrooms before we went on stage as like a you know one of the first shows we played in town, and it was incredible. It was so much fun. I don't I don't know if people understood us or if it was really a good show, but. But we were vibing so, so hard on stage. It it was like, you know, it is the beginning of that that love of, of, of being together and and making it through whatever, whatever comes our way. And uh, and and we do need money and <laughs> and and we love touring. There's there's something about it. You know, it's it's even if the sets are similar to a certain degree, that the newness of the crowd and the area that you're in is always inspiring and always something to look forward to. Um, Yeah. There's just, I mean, I met my wife on the road. Um, As soon as my son was, you know, one something, we, we had him in a tour bus with us and traveling around and he was out last year with me. And it's just, it's, it's incredible like life to uh, I don't know, to have it be stable, you know? So we're going to do it as much as we can because we figured out, uh, the way that it works for us. Well,
0: you guys are you guys are kind of the the channel marker for any artist to look at and go. I mean, I think you'll take this as a compliment, and I mean this as a compliment. Is it like sounds
1: like it's going that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's it's <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't need to be Kevin Hart. I just need to be a guy who can make a living, make a good living for my family, make sure we're taken care of, and get to do what I need to do. And and I don't think I think it took me a while to realize that in this business is that I don't need a hit show. I just need a show that they renew. I don't need I don't need to do arenas. I just want to if I can sell theaters and hey, if I can add a show, that's really fucking great. Like that's better than and as you know this and I think 311 is is already set this in stone. You guys can you guys can sell tickets until the day you die. You guys are your fan base, I'm one of them is like is like oh, yeah, like oh fuck yeah 311 oh fuck yeah 311 yeah fuck yeah like it's an you, I mean you're the first band that I'd, I had heard of putting on a cruise I'd never heard of the cruise uh, thing and Doug Benson hit me up and was like going on a 311 cruise and I was like oh my god how the fuck do I get on that like, <laughs> like, like, well, I think they I I want to say that you guys like took two comedians and he was like it's you know it's like I'm just a friend of them I'm a fan and I was like I'm a fucking fan let him know I'm a fucking fan
1: you it, I can do it I can do it I was like, please, please. Yeah, we uh, brought out Tony Hinchcliffe.
0: Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, th- I get to be dead honest with you. He I was got 15.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he, you guys he are- had that glow in his eyes. He was having the time of his life. You know, he was happy to know Doug Benson and he was stoked to be on the, on the show. Oh, I think my cat is on my roof. Wow. That, I'm seeing weird shadows. Never mind. Um, yeah, it was incredible. And to see him come up like he's come up is just just amazing. You know, speaking of power of words and doing it your own way and, you know, fuck it if you don't fuck, you know, fuck off if you don't like it kind of attitude. It's, it's brilliant. His sets. I mean, the the cruise was the first time I ever saw live comedy. I've been watching live comedy since I was, you know, a, a kid. And I had Eddie Murphy tapes in my ears when I was way too young. And uh, and loved it. And it's and it changed. you know, it sculpted me into who I was to be and who I am now, even as far as like that comedic influence. Um, And I miss Bill Hicks like it's like he's a family member, you know, and and stuff like that. And Chris Rock just bringing me to tears over the years. The
0: reason I started doing stand up. Wow. Cool. Bring the Pain was was a pivotal. It's it's one house, one house I lived in changed everything for me. Yeah. And all it was just a, a weird influence of dudes, couple surf dudes from Melbourne 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 Melbourne. I'm I so cute used to saying it the Australian way that yeah. I can't say the one that's in Florida. Melbourne wow, they
1: have they have shows there. They're doing shows
0: in in Australia?
1: Yeah, it seems yeah, like it looks like normal. I've seen video.
0: They're covid free. So um, it must be true. <laughs> but yeah, but uh and it was just and that's I think 1996 is when I got involved. 97, 96 was when I got introduced to three eleven. Cool. Um It's when I got, it's, I, I, it's when I got spun to the direction I'm in today. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I, Chris rock was a huge influence.
1: Yeah. He's, it's just, he's capable of uh, just incendiary uh, truth saying, on a level that's uh, hard to match and, and just timing incredible and stalking the stage. Just, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a masterwork and it, it, it doesn't get old, even, you know, even if the the references get dated in one way or the other, you're still going to be dying laughing. And yeah, it, it just blew my mind. Like, God, this is going to be the first time I've ever seen live comedy, but it's on a boat that has our name on it, you know, and it's filled with all our fans. So I guess how, I guess it's what I was waiting for is the experience that I'm I'm spoiled into um, having done so many shows on my own and just, you know, I, I just started going to the comedy store here and there to see the Kill Tony uh, podcast um, and and was blown away. I saw I've probably seen like three of those now and was really enjoying that before everything got shut down. I mean, what a brutal environment. You go up there and you get 60 seconds and then you get shit on for a little bit by people who are, you know, are great at what they do. Uh, it's very brutal. It's, it's very amazing. Brutal. What a what a what a fun show and yeah, I just it's hopefully it will all come back. Let's uh let's get vaccinated. Let's vaccinate our vaccinations.
0: Um I heard you talk. I'm a big fan of luck. And I heard you maybe in passing. I don't know. I I I I maybe I pulled too much from this one statement. But you said you know we were really lucky. And I, I oh yeah, it, it made it made my heart swell because I've said and and I've said erroneously erroneously I've said I've I've discounted Kevin Hart's hard luck hard work sometimes because I go hey so I just want to hear the luck part because the luck part is the part I can hang my hat on. I already work hard and a lot of people and you know this a lot of people are working hard but yeah, that I- hard work does not pay off unless unless you are prepared when the luck shows up and you said something that your first show you guys did the band that opened for the red hot chili peppers opened for you and you're like wow how do we get in this spot and I, i'm curious if you could maybe highlight some of the some of the times where you're like woo, that was a i was that worked out well i mean we were ready we were prepared we're talented musicians but fuck that was lucky and nice
1: I mean, being asked to play the Millennium Show with the Red Hot Chili Peppers um, at the Forum, you know, that was like the triangle of success for me. I mean, Chili Peppers were huge for us, speaking of uh, the groundwork, um, playing there at the Forum, living in Omaha uh, and the Magic Days. And then uh, playing on the, you know, the night it turns the year 2000 was just incredible. You know, it was, it was, that was mind blowing. And, and that was luck and hard work. Uh, they could have picked anybody for sure to open up for them. And we were lucky to be there, at, you know, a million ways. Um, uh, you know, we, we got pulled over right after the RV fire. We talk about it uh, in songs here and there. Um, one song in particular called Offbeat Bare Ass. We, uh, we talk about the incident. Um, and that was really lucky because we were smoking hash out of a, you know, an aluminum can, um, cause we're connoisseurs and got pulled over in Utah, I think. And, uh, and Nick was driving and he stepped out of the car and walked to the, to the, to the prowler, you know, a hundred feet behind us to kind of keep the smell down and everything. And, uh, You know, he was asking to search the car and Nick said no and all these things. You know, I I know my rights. You don't you you don't have to look search the car. You can just let us go. And and that was a really lucky point. I mean, the RV fire was a lucky thing, too. I mean, we could have we could have lost members of the band, you know, in that um, in that incident. And then, you know, that whole that whole time was so sketchy. I I talked to our, our old drum tech who was like our stage manager and, and was driving us around at night. So he was up for like 20 hours a day. And, uh, and, uh, he works for the Foo Fighters now, a guy named Yeti, um, amazing, amazing guy. Um, but you know, what we were putting our, all of ourselves through trying to make it work, trying to make it to the next $300 gig was, was, Superhuman And like I said, you know, like young man's game and and all those times we were dodging death. It seemed like every day.
0: (laughs) Dodging death and dodging. I mean, I'm sure you saw amazing bands where you're like, man, those guys are great. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, whatever happened to them?
1: Oh yeah. A bunch, a bunch, a bunch of times. I mean, and that's one of the things that I consider ourselves lucky about is just to be able to get our whatever our musical meat hooks into people's psyche. Why and, is that? Why is that? What is, tell me, there. tell me, what, okay. So, so I'll it's, tell you what, a bunch it, of things.
0: I'll tell you what it was for me. And and, and I'll, 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 I'll just so that if, I think if a fan told me, I'll tell me why you, I'll tell you why I like you. I would go, Oh, I wonder if I could do that more. I was sitting in New York. I, I was a fan of new 311. I knew 311, right. But I'm sitting in New York. I just graduated. I hadn't really technically graduated college, but I'd started doing stand up, taking correspondence classes, and uh, beautiful disaster fucked me up. It fucked me up, and I wrote a, a script. I wrote a, a script, listening to beautiful da- disaster cool. on repeat. And I and it was it was it was a song where I went. It's the song where you go. Hold on, I need to listen to everything they've written. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Yes. Why, I love it when that happens. Why is that
0: song so good? What is it about that song? That, when you wrote it, when you guys wrote it? Did it feel different? Did it have a different energy? Was the writing, like, what was it about that song? Because, I, I, like I said, legit fan, but that song made me reassess everything you guys had done. Uh, Changes for Blind Melon. That so- I'd heard
1: Blind Melon. I liked them. I thought they were okay, whatever.
0: I listened to Changes, and I was like, oh, fuck. I'm going to have to do everything with this band.
1: Yeah, I mean... I've recently done that with Mastodon. And I I mean, I can't remember what the first song I heard from them was, but or not not Mastodon. I mean, I love Mastodon, don't get me wrong. But it's uh Baroness. The band Baroness is just I, I, I had that, you know, maybe about a year ago with them. I was like, I heard something, I was like, oh my God, these guys are brilliant, you know. And I and I'll, I want to pick it apart until it's, you know, there's nothing it's left. Such
0: a great feeling. It happened with Faith No More with me when I was yeah. in high school. Faith No More, all of a sudden I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta listen to it. I got to, I got to start it over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's who you were at that time, just as much as who, how we wrote it, who we are, you know, it's, it's your, your acceptance of it, you know, permeating your, your brainwaves at that particular time that allowed it to happen too. But I mean, that's us shedding our producer who who helped us sell three million albums on the album before that, before Transistor, you know, and and having our sound guy do the do the sound and him letting us do whatever the fuck we wanted and him having a really like dreamy attitude about like you know making the vocals super wet and uh, delays on everything and you know Chad's snare sound is is sharp as hell and. You know, people people were still getting used to a five-string bass, still are kind of, but hearing those new tones, um, the dueling guitar parts, I mean, it's it's a it's it's us at our at our best, certainly at that time, and possibly throughout our you know career even. Um, that's us trying to beat our our newfounded success in a way that wasn't repeating it. You know, we went out of our way to not make the same the same album twice when we knew we were probably gonna never have that many ears paying attention to us and the fans that came along at that time you um, will never forget it you know because of that and and maybe if we had done the second album twice or whatever um, we would have been bigger could have fallen apart all these things I'm just happy we took the steps that we did to kind of show that. We were more than a one-trick pony, and we weren't going to be like making songs for the radio just because we had radio success. We were going to find another way to do it if it was going to happen again.
0: What was the horrible advice you got from labels at the time? Because I'm certain they. I know. I I I wonder if the frustration that people found with bands like, and once again, big fan of them, big fan, but. I'm certain if you were in a band at the time and Dave Matthews was so big, everyone was like, hey, listen, man, we're all musicians. We know what he's, I get what he's doing, but I'm not going to do that. I understand that that is working right now. Like, what were some of the advice you got where they're like, listen, I think it would be more prominent if we had like your DJ front and center. How about a drum set right up? You know, because you guys are such, so, like, what were some bad advice? <laughs>
1: I don't know. I mean, we're, we're lucky that it's going back to the luck thing is we were lucky to be left alone by labels and, and press, you know, they didn't, they were like, here's this band, you know, we, we think they're good. You know, like we don't really understand what's going on, but we think they're good. And, and, and we've been left alone in that way. So we haven't really gotten that much bad advice. Um,
0: That's called, that's called Seinfeld luck, by the way.
1: Yeah.
0: By the way, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I like very hands off. I'm a big fan of luck. Seinfeld's luck was he had had a late night development deal. So they were going to give him a late night talk show, but it kind of, I think all the cable wars were happening at the time or whatever the wars were. And so they just said, well, just make a sitcom. So we made Seinfeld and they soldered it later in the night. No one written. the not right. Development team wasn't on it. This is what I heard. I'm not certain about this. And so he got to do what he wanted to do. And what he wanted to do is what we like. And it sounds like that's where you guys were at that time where like people were like, let them
1: do what they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you could stick your finger in it and and mess it up, or you can realize that you don't know how, and you just let us do what we're doing, you know, and that that's really what it's felt like. I mean, and and like I said, it's been the same way with press. It's, it's not a, it's usually not a criticism, you know, it's usually like, Oh, you know, they're, they're at it again, kind of thing. It's, 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 it's kind of middle of the road because either you love us or you hate us kind of, kind of attitude. And, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> an apathy. Nice. You know, but it's, you know, it, it's all about being creative. It's all about not being able to really uh, wrap our sound up in any kind of easy to digest package. Like hopefully we'll come up with something in the future. You know, that's what, it, that's what it's all about. That's what keeps me excited. So what's the? Why is
0: it that you guys? Because one of the pillars I hold on to with art is what you just said, and by, I call it. I, I, I'm not to. I sound I sound like a crazy person right now, but it's the Bill Burr effect with comics. Bill <laughs> Burr has consistently. He's a friend of mine, and we have another Bill Burr question coming your way in a second. But Bill Burr has consistently um, grown as an artist and 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 added new things to his repertoire. Uh, if And and he's very cognizant of it. He's like, you know, I don't really have any act outs. I'm going to work on act outs. I don't really have this in my act. I'm going to add that. And it's almost like a fearlessness to he's been accepted for one thing. And then he looks at those guys and goes, I'm going to do this too. What is that? How do you do that? And then
1: he's in Mandalorian.
0: Well, Jesus Christ. That's just How fucking cool. Is that Bill Burr's an anomaly?
1: That's People- fucking incredible. But I I love it. I love it from the. Yeah. That, that, I don't know, that blue collar, like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do something else. You know, this, like, this is working for me and I'm going to do something else. That's, that's <laughs> so hardcore. That's such a, it is a blue collar mentality
0: because you find bands. I'm not shitting on a band, but like someone like, maybe the spin doctors get so big and everyone's like, Hey, more of that shit. And they don't have the, the gumption to say like, I don't even know if that's the right word, but to say like, Hey man, we got this. Or maybe if they do have it, they go in such a, they're really trying to buck the system and go in their own way. And it really is a select few artists where you go. Like I remember Incubus's new album. The one, like I remember when, like I, it was a, I was explaining all this to my wife and kids the other night. I was trying to explain, I played uh, Amber for my kids. And all they've been saying is Amber is the color of your energy dad. That's all they've been saying all fucking week, all week. Second, I found out we were doing a podcast. I've been playing Three Eleven non-fucking stop in my house. Nice. I, I take that back. I'm playing Christmas music predominantly. But right when we'll we make, found we'll out, We'll
1: make a Christmas album. We've already got the title. We already got the album title. We're not gonna. No, I can't tell you. <laughs> we're gonna do it from that side of things because we got a great title. We got a. We got a, a, you know an art idea for it. Oh, and that's sweet. How old are your
0: kids? Uh, sixteen and fourteen. Wow. Uh, and my daughter is. My oldest daughter is 311 energy. Like it is, it's, I introduced her to, I introduced her to widespread panic. Didn't really technically di- di- dig it. Didn't like the dead. Um, Didn't like fish. And then obviously find out we're doing this. I played, uh, I played, I played Um, Corey Taylor. I played, Uh, I played system of a down because I'm obsessed with the Armenian cause right now. Like cool. I just, and then I played, uh, I played Slipknot. My youngest daughter loves Slipknot, which is right on fucking brand for her. And my daughter, Georgia, is like, oh, wait, who is this? And I was like, oh, it's 311. And then, and by the way, that's Amber. And then I was like, hold on. If you like Amber, you're going to love down. You're going to love. And I was like, and I was like, let me go. I'm going to run you through. This is what you need to be listening to. And they've all been saying, Amber is the color of your energy, dad. And I was like, you guys don't understand what that means. Because when I was in Russia, Amber was a very in." B- big stone to get a hold of amber stones were like huge especially anyway my sidebar to that <laughs> i don't even know what my fucking question was but but uh but yeah the fact that it is a blue collar mentality of going i'm not i didn't come to hollywood to get to be the biggest band in la bill Burr didn't do stand-up to be famous he did stand up because it's something in him
1: yeah. you know he's funny yeah it's funny that's a unique delivery you know i mean
0: He's That's a, a he's an avid drummer as well. Cool. Avid drummer. And he said something to me, which is a great question I want to pass on to you. He was talking to me about what he loves about drums is a song where the drums take over the song, transition it. And he said his favorite drum, I don't know if he have called it a drum fill or whatever, was Jack and Diane. Just doom, 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 doom. Little did it, or you know, then it switches. For you, when you, as a bassist, what are some of your favorite bass riffs where you've heard it and you went, "Oh fuck, I wish I had written that," or "Oh, he did something." That is a shift. Obviously, I'm sure Red Hot Chilies, Peppers and Rage, or I know Rage is one. You're a big fan. But sure, sure. what are what are some bass? What are some bass songs where people go, "Oh, I didn't even pay attention to how great that is."
1: Yeah, I mean that's. That that happens more than more than people know, and that's and that's when someone's you know nailing their craft. I, I would suggest, but I don't know. It me, it makes me think of it makes me think of flashlight by uh, by Parliament, and that's not a baseline. That's Bernie Worrell playing a playing a synthesizer, right? But he's playing he's trying to copy Bootsy. He's like, how would how would Bootsy do this? It's like, bang 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 you know, just like so to do that. Phil, man, where is like is kind of fill, taking that place of, of of answering your question. But yeah, the I mean, right now what I'm doing for practice besides playing 311 songs. Uh, is learning Arctic Monkey songs, and I'm I'm just obsessed with how good of a writer their bass player is, and how fun their songs are. And their songs are full of those trick little riffs that turn turn the music around. Super aggressive, kind of pick style player, and just driving the song, kind of without you knowing it. He's like backseat driving the song where the singer. Is getting hit in the face with all the bugs and and the spit and the bass player is just cool ride you know making it all happen and their drummer same thing like there's riffs in there they've got a song called Brian Storm that uh, is just so you know just endless polyrhythms on top of polyrhythms and they find a way to make a song out of it i'm like these guys are just showing off at this point and it's a song that i want to hear 500 times in a row so it's just that's 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 when you're nailing it that's when you're going to have a career for the rest of your life even if you make albums that people don't appreciate and that what,
0: band, what band could you what band you get a phone call tomorrow and you're like hey man 311's is cool with it, but hey, we're doing a tour in Australia and our, our bassist just broke his right hand. Can you s- sit in for just this real quick tour? What band could you sit in for tomorrow without having to learn any of their songs going, Oh guys, I got it. Like,
1: oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's that it's Arctic monkeys right now, but I mean, I would, I can, I would want to fake my way. Not that I could play their lines, but like into a, a deftones situation, that would be, that'd be heaven on earth. Cause I, I love watching those guys perform and, you know, Sergio, Sergio's got a great gig in, uh, you know, taking Chi Cheng's place after he passed, rest in, rest in peace. Um, but, I mean, I'd love to play Incubus every night, too. Uh, I'd love to be in Chavo's position in System of a Down. Um, but I've tried to learn some of those songs, and they are so fast. It was like uh, BYOB. Um, it's... yeah. I don't know, I don't think I can play it. I remember being 15 and being like, I can play everything. I've come to the point in bass where I can, nothing's a problem. And of course I wasn't <laughs> listening to jazz or, or classical or anything else. I was just listening to rock and roll and thinking that I had it all down. But you know, I've been playing for over 30 years now and God, 35 years now. And, uh, and that song, that system song, I'm like, that's impossible. Like that's, that's not even human. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to try and do that, but yeah, there's, there's gigs out there, but, uh, you know, I love concentrating on, on my gig right now. Um, I've got, I I've got ideas about doing a podcast of just me and other drummers, um, which would be fun kind of way to express myself. And I'm in like a, a band that has recorded everything we've ever done and we've never written down anything, uh, in Venice. Which is super fun, but really? yeah, yeah, it's 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 great. But I love my gig, but I do like playing with other people. There's something really cool about that, and I like learning other people's songs because that's how I, you know, got to be good at bass.
0: This episode of the Birdcast is brought to you by Fight Camp. Fight Camp brings the boxing gym right to your home with a mix of cardio and conditioning for a full body workout. Have you ever wanted to learn how to box or kickbox from real fighters like me? I definitely would love that. It is one of the best workouts you can get. I remember my dad telling me that at a Bucks game. I was like, this is going to be exhausting. He's like, buddy, you've never boxed before. And I was like, what? And he was like, trust me. And here's the thing. I don't want to leave my house right now. Well, Fight Camp is made for beginners to experience boxers who want to box from their home with new content being released weekly from easy, too advanced. comes with all the gear that you need to box at home, including a freestanding punching bag, boxing gloves, quick hand wraps, and their unique punch tracking sensor that shows you real-time progress and stats on any iOS device. Great for kids. Fight Camp is made one of the only home workouts that's safe for kids to do because there's no heavyweights and spinning wheels. Fight Camp app also comes with over 600 workouts and tutorials, and they release 12 new boxing and kickboxing workouts Every week, learn from six highly qualified trainers with real fight experience, ranging from MMA to a mother of two to a kickboxing champion. Fight Camp uses new tech that tracks each punch you throw to measure speed, volume, output, you know, so you can find out how how you do against your best friend. Me and Tom should do Fight Camp together. And then, well, he's only got one good arm. Join the Fight Camp community and connect with the Fight Camp community on Facebook with over 10. Thousand members to share success stories, talk through hardships, and others online. Fight Camp is offering financing, also, so you can just pay over twenty-four months and get your new gym to your house right now. That is brilliant because everyone wants to start something, but you can't wait until you can save X amount of dollars to start working out. No, do it today! And Fight Camp offers a thirty-day money-back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com/slash/bert right now. That's right. Give Fight Camp a try, and within 30 days, if you don't love it, send it back, and you get a refund. Fight Camp is the new way to work out at home, make a change, and join a community that teaches the art of boxing while getting the most intense workouts that are as quick as 15 minutes. To get free shipping on Fight Camp, just go to joinfightcamp.com slash Burt. That's joinfightcamp.com slash Burt. I I was a, a musician for a second but learn and I can play the guitar, but I remember the first song I ever learned was she talks to angels. And I was like, I was like, wait, 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 I can play a song that people are going to go, Hey, I know that. It was such a crazy feeling.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, that was one of the things that we did try to avoid in Omaha. Cause those are the only, the only professional musicians you could see were cover bands, you know, besides yeah. tour, touring bands. And when we started doing that, like I remember smashing pumpkins showed up in a van And my mom was like dropping me off for the gig because I wasn't driving yet, even at 16. And my mom was like, she's like, you sure you want to do that? Because they didn't look they didn't look so hot. You know, they were they were they were probably starving themselves and not making a ton of money because they were just they were on their first album. And and uh, my mom was being protective mom. She wanted me to be a plumber. I think she still does.
0: (laughs) It is a weird question. Did you when you heard of Foo Fighters, did you think they were going to be any good? (laughs)
1: Oh, I, I, yeah, we were in Europe the first time I saw, like, I saw like tour posters, like they were playing a couple of days after us or a couple of days before or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's Grohl's band. Like, how's that going to go? You know, I didn't, I, I wasn't really judging. I was trying not to judge. I thought it was really cool that he was putting it together. I know that I knew that he wrote everything and he was singing and I was like, I bet that's going to, yeah. I mean, if I, if I thought about it, I knew that it was going to be awesome.
0: I remember seeing Foo Fighters and going, going, well, this isn't going to work. I literally, (laughs) and then I, and then I can tell you the day that someone played, it was him playing acoustic in Howard Stern's uh, studio where all of a sudden I was like, okay, I was very wrong. And to this day, I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe, I mean, I, I th- by the way, for the record, I felt the same way about the internet. I was like, there's no, you're telling me one day I will order food online. I'm not going to go to a store and they're going to send it to. And then I was like, okay, okay. And then oh, I'm sure one day I'll just get a movie online and not go to a movie theater. And I was an idiot,
1: man. The commercial that was like, it's some, somebody checking into a motel and like, you know, what movies do you got? And the person behind the counter is like, all of them. I'm like, that ain't going to fucking happen. I'm never going to see that. Like my kids, kids, maybe. But (laughs) yeah, right. I can sit down and watch, you know, all the Star Wars movies in a row if I fucking want to. And the whole like binge, you know, mentality, like it's just a product of that. It's incredible. It's amazing. Things are changing really fast. And I definitely said the same thing about legalizing marijuana. I thought we were going to be fighting that fight for decades upon decades into the future
0: oh uh, yeah
1: i can't believe the acceleration of that that's that's incredible i'm proud of i'm proud of humans and i'm gonna i gotta close the door real quick keep this cat in here of course there's another one out there but I i got one at a time there we go yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Ch- the rate of change, you know, it's it's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be, you know, half as much time after the, the you know, the first, the breakthrough the, gets tighter and tighter of a spiral. And yeah, the internet was totally useless for like, you know, 15 years. And what's it going to do? What's it going to be, you know? And now it, it's still barely even, you know, thought out as far as a, as a tool, um, the fact that we've got our kids you know learning remotely the fact that we can do this at all is incredible i i i don't know what we're going to do with it but we haven't even you know seen the tip of the iceberg
0: well you've been you've been on both sides of that fence making albums that were released in record stores or, or cd's i'm I, i'm guessing tapes then cd's sure. then digital what was um without without getting into detail what were the finances like When, how about this? I don't understand what a label is. Okay. I don't even really know what a label is. So like, can you, can you break down like what a label is versus who's paying, like who's paying for the album versus like what it was like in the old days versus what it was like now? Like, I, I imagine that they would be like, here's $20 million to make an album. Woo. I don't, I don't know. I have no clue. All I know is that you think it's your money and it's not.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not. And you've got to pay it back like in a certain amount of time. And, you know, um, and they get to decide whether or not you get to make another album with them and owe them money again. But yeah, it's it, it was pretty brutal back in the day. I mean, that first contract that we signed was, I think, for seven albums, which is pretty illegal. If you, <laughs> if you ask a me, it's, like, it's insane. So... So whatever we, we were going it was the only contract we were being offered. So we signed it and we were happy to do so. And we just stayed, that's how we learned to stay out on the road because we had to recoup the money uh, that it cost us to record the albums and the albums were, you know, $125,000 to record in the, in the day. And we didn't have, you know, shit as far as excess, everything we had was brand new as far as resources. So we just turned it into hard work, you know, and it, and we were lucky to do what we did. Um, but I remember being like kind of strong armed into some publishing bullshit too. When uh, right after the RV fire, I was like, God, what is going on? Like, God, it really is a fucking, you know, cutthroat business. Like this is fucked up. Like another reason why we want to just stay on the road and not be studio, studio rats and just make albums for the radio. It was, it's all about appreciating what was going on to, uh, you know, on, on stage and in that in that moment of pure interaction with the audience, you know. So, but it was it was it was tough. It was it was, uh, you know, it kept you motivated, though. And I think that's that's the best thing. You know, we turned that into lemonade, um, having our backs to the wall financially and knowing that we could dig ourselves out with our with our chops and our riffs and our, you know, and our ideas.
0: So they give you one hundred twenty five thousand dollars to make an album. You then release the album. You go, I don't know, like platinum or gold. I don't even know what, but you sell, say you sell, like what is a normal amount of sales? Like a, like a hundred thousand albums. Say you sell a hundred thousand albums. You've paid your money back, right? Oh yeah. And then you guys get to split the rest of the money.
1: Yes. Then you start earning on it, but it's still like at a, at a, you know, you don't, you don't own it. You know, they still own it. They own the publishing or someone else owns the publishing unless you own the masters and unless you're, Orson Wells, the band—they ain't gonna fucking happen until you, you know, make it happen. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all it's it just as soon as you sign that contract, the work has just begun, you know. And as soon as you get done recording that album, your your job has just begun, and it's important, you know. Those are those are it's 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 the it's the beauty and the beast of it of it all. And you've got to make it work or you're not going to last. And, you know, you're talking about the longevity of certain bands, even talented ones. And that's one of the the hurdles they have. you know, you got to climb and you got to have the wherewithal and the commitment to, uh, you know, dig yourself out of those holes. Um, Cause more trouble is going to come. It's not going to all be handed to you. And even that is just, you know, it's like a, it's a loan, you know, it's a loan with yeah. a time limit on it that, uh, you know, that you're, those are your bosses essentially. So it's, yeah. it's all, you know, It's all real strange. I mean, whatever. I, I like the transition of, of tape to digital too, as far as something that we've, we've been around, you know, uh, learning how to record and being with people who are making albums in the seventies and Eddie Offord and Ron St. Germain and having them teach us how to do it in the mid nineties and still having that mentality while we're making albums, you know, in 2020, 19 last, you know, Voyager was released last year. Um, it's just great. It's a, it's nice being a part of the succession of, uh, of, of craftsmen who have, uh, like made, you know, invigorating entertainment. I feel like hopefully we can pass on the the flame to young artists and they can carry on the, the ambers, the color of your energy torch for us after we're gone.
0: So wait, what is, what is the label?
1: Yeah. I mean, back in the day it was, it was that, it was the, it was the corporation that was going to lend you money to go out on the road that would help you, um, you know, I don't know, get, get in, get in and out of debt and get the product in the, in the building really was what it was. They were, they, that, that was the more, you know, more of the point, but we were independently releasing albums in Omaha. So we, we thought it was necessary and it was to a certain degree, but we could have pulled it off on our own. There's, there, there's definitely a parallel universe where we never signed a contract with anybody. And we still, you know, was, we're able to keep it, keep it up for 30 years.
0: Yeah. I, I,
1: but you- now it's like just management. A, la- a label is more like management and the management is, is the label, you know, in, in independent artists, you can do everything without it. distribution is almost unnecessary. You know, you can SoundCloud everything if you want to you
0: know? Yeah. I, I mean, it, It. I I know it. I remember getting my first advance uh, for a, a book and I didn't realize I had to pay that back. Ah. I was like, Oh wait, my, you mean we start selling books and then I got to pay that. I thought you gave that to me. I
1: thought that was an advance. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs>
0: Bring it back. Well, I, I want to, I have a bunch of more questions. I've had you on for an hour. I'm not going to take up all your time. That's I'm good. very grateful that you did this at all. Um, <laughs> I would love to. I would love to do one in person. Um, These, these zooms are good, but, but they're not, um, they're, they're not ideal. Uh, They're, but they're, but they, but, but I'll tell you what, man, as a, as a fan, it's a dream come true. Uh, It, uh, it, it is. Um, I'm curious. uh, Can you recognize your fans before they get to you? Like when they're, when you're walking in, in a, In a grocery store, can you be like, oh, fuck, here we go?
1: (laughs) It happens so rarely that, I mean, especially now, but it happens so rarely. It's it's never a problem. And uh, us being like the, whatever the, you know, the carriers of the positivity torch, it's always such a cool experience. It's never like a, it's never a big deal. It's never, it's never, it's never a hassle. Um, It's never an invasion of privacy. It's always, it's always such a casual thing. Uh, I remember getting a sandwich a couple of years ago in Pasadena and going to this place I love had been you know a dozen times. And the guys, they were acting a little funny. I couldn't really tell what was going on. i they were just i I thought they were just listening to music doing their gig. and they both came out from behind the counter and were like, we're so stoked you're here. <laughs> we, love, we love 311. Here's some chips, you know, it's like, we really hope you enjoy your sandwich. You go, it's really cool. It's just, that's, that's really what it is. It's like a sincere appreciation for the hard work and the, the, you know, the time invested in, in making it what it is. And, and I feel the exact same way. I mean, if I don't, if I don't say it on Twitter enough, um, uh, I should say it more, but I, I like thanking the fans for, you know, allowing me to be in abundance for my family and raise my boys uh, seven and 10, um, you know, in, in, in a, you know, in a way that I could only have dreamed of, you know, as a, as a musician, as a, as a kid, just getting started. So, you know, it's all that, that and that'll get you through the difficulties within the band relationship as things aren't as easy as they may seem in our, you know, in our Instagram world, um, creative editing, it's just, you know, but, but you think about plan out and you think about your future and you think about everything that you've done over these 30 years together. It's, it's, it's astonishing. And I, I love playing with the guys and I, I can't wait to play shows on the regular and, you know, and uh, I don't know, spread out again. I, I think there'll be a like, you know, as everything collapses, the, the explosion is going to be, 10 oh. times, you know, it, people are going to be so ravenous for sweating on each other. It's going to be, it's going to be great. It'll be something to see. It'll be like a Eric Andre episode, but in real, real life.
0: What, um, what, <laughs> what? <laughs> that's scary. What, yeah. um, your, you, it sounded like your, your family was very supportive of your dream. Um,
1: yeah, very much.
0: Do you find yourself as a parent, uh, being as free as your parents were like being on like, Hey, go find yourself. And, or do you find yourself going like, Hey, here's a guitar. Maybe you want to try this or, or like, cause I find myself, my dad was, my dad was a great dad, but he was not like a, Hey, go follow your dream kind of dad. He was like, what is, is that? A fucking earring? Take that out of your goddamn ear. You're not wearing a fucking <laughs> earring, like that kind of dad. And I find myself with my children being my dad, even though I don't want to, I find myself doing it. Are you that way with your kids? Are you free? Like, Hey, fucking sports or whatever, or, you know,
1: I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more, um, you know, tired than I, than I would have thought. But, but at the same time, I'm, I'm totally that follow your dream guy. You know, there's no, no question about it. I mean, my wife's an educator. Um, and you know, I'm a, I'm something of an artist. So it's, it's pretty easy to fit that in to like be inspiring for them and hope that they find something that is whatever foundational and something that they can rely on. Cause that's all your dad wanted for you. You know, he didn't want you to lo- lose the job because you had an earring, which, which is, is a silly thing, but, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, and I try and push music on them and they're, they're, they're working on it a little bit. They're taking piano lessons, which is really cool. Um, and I love that they can, they'll be able to sit down on any pink piano keyboard and play the Harry Potter theme like that, that, that kind of makes my day and the, and the Halloween theme <laughs> and just freak the shit out of people. They don't know how terrifying that is, but I love that they know it backwards and forwards. So yeah, I, I think, I think it's in a nice little sweet spot. I mean, I'm 46, I've got a 10 year old and a seven year old. Um, uh, I'm not going to be the loosest dad. Um, one thing about this lockdown and this, you know, 2020 that we've had to absorb um, is loving being home with the kids. You know, it's really been amazing, you know, trying to help them with school, which I'm not that good at, but just being here instead of being gone three months a year, which usually sucks and tears the, tears the ass out of me on, on the frequent, even more like in a, in a increase. And I was really, I, honestly i was asking the universe for a year off so i didn't i didn't,
0: you I didn't you both
1: yeah i took i I. It, it's been taken a little far and, <laughs> and, I, and I, would, I would like to take back my statement but oh. but yeah i needed it really bad i was i was super burnt out and uh and wanted to be home because they're at this incredible time you know and i don't know i don't i don't want to I don't want to lose the connection with my wife, you know, so taking a year off and letting her be able to do what she wants to do. Cause she's writing a bunch is, is incredible too. Like I can take a back seat to what, what, you know, what's important in 311 land and, and just be here, you know, being Aaron Wills, which is, which is really cool. It's really nice, but I'm, I'm ready for things to get back to normal and I'll remember this year fondly, <laughs> but uh, yeah, careful what you wish for.
0: I was in a tour bus going from New York to DC and I'd been partying very hard. And, uh, I was on my stomach in the way back, you know, I don't know the way back bounces a lot. The bed. Oh yeah. And I said to God, I said, God, I had, I had a big tour plan for the, for the, for the winter that I was like maybe 12 shows into. And then I had an even bigger tour plan for the fall, summer, fall. And I said, God, I need, I need a TV show or something. I need like, I just need like, give me a month where I can just stop boozing and and just get healthy. I need something. And the next weekend we were in New Orleans and they were like, Hey, you're not allowed to go on stage. Like there's, I think there's going to be a pandemic. And I went, I was like, I was like, okay, God, nice. Three weeks, three weeks would be perfect. And then, and then next thing you know, nine months later, I'm sitting here going, all right, man. I literally, I was like in March, it was what even a month later, I was like. I need to create something. I got to figure out something. so we did uh, drive-in movie theaters, but, um, but does, what's, what's music that your wife puts in every now and then where you're like, come on.
1: Oh, I'm, um, I'm I don't know. I've, I've, I'm so, I'm hard to myth music really? wise. I, I am. I mean, I know there's things that she hides from me that I think she thinks that I kind of cringe over just like the, the some diva kind of stuff. But <laughs> I mean, she, she schools me frequently. Um, the lead singer from Alabama Shake's name escapes me and has a, has a great solo career. She's got some fucking head chopper off of songs that my wife, Abby, like, she's like, check this shit out. You know, I'm like, oh my God. And there's a band from Texas called Krangabin, which I don't think I would have heard of without her. And like, you know, kind of obsessed with now in their dreamy, like Thai pop, kind of world. Um, But, you know, she's, she's a yoga teacher and, uh, and is expanding into writing curriculum, uh, mindfulness for schools and that. So um, there's, uh, you know, Indian music, there's Ravi Shankar on here, which I would have probably giggled at 20 years ago, and now I put it on myself. So I don't know, you you live with someone long enough, you're going to, it's so funny. I, of shit.
0: I have such a i have a i have such an easy i can so easily shit on a band because i'm not in the business and i don't get it like i just so easily can be like ah, i don't fucking get it whatever pass
1: <laughs> fuck these guys well you know
0: it's it's it i went to a I, I i worked for travel channel for a long time and we went to they do american music awards i think in nashville and but it's it's not i don't think it's american it's just country music right. and um and there was a guy, I I can't remember the name of the guy. One of the guys that a slick cu- uh, country artist, like uh, not like a, you know, kind of grunt, like ho- home down home guy, but a slick guy with the good looking outfit and the all right guitar up to the side. And we had front row tickets uh, because we were shooting it. And I sat there and I, and I was, I was being smug. I, I thought I don't fucking get it. I was like, I don't get it. And I'm in the front row, man. And I was looking at this stadium full of people. I was like, I, and anyone would trade spots with me in the stadium and be like, that's the greatest night of my life. And I go, and here I am in a fucking smug way going, and I just don't get it. And I stopped and I went, wow, that's a sad existence to sit here and go, I'm not. Because if it was comedy, any com, any comic I can watch. I can watch any comic and find something out of it. Like you were, t- and when you talk about that with music, you're like, oh, anything. I yeah. did it with every, I watched, a, a, um, I think it was a, a Korean comedian special on netflix where he didn't even speak english and i I read it i watched the whole thing and read it and i was like i was fucking fascinating like
1: that's That's super cool
0: yeah and so it's interesting all right last question i'll let you go hour and 15 minutes uh i i I really sincerely appreciate your time i really I'm, i'm building a new podcast studio uh at my new house and and when when pandemic lifts and we all can hang out, I would absolutely love to have you over to do a podcast, maybe with a joint and cocktail for me. I don't know if you drink. You seem like somebody who takes care of their body, but uh,
1: it's the filter. I'm a, I'm a beer drinker usually. Yeah. Looking, for, looking forward to it already. But but yeah, that sounds great. Thank you for the invite. I'll look forward to it. Let's do the, we should do the smoke box together. We should tag team the smoke box.
0: Love that Last question, last question. What song is going to be played at your funeral?
1: Oh man. That uh I, that's so that's so tough. Um I I did this question when I was a sophomore in high school and it was um a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. It was like a Hollywood Africa off of uh, Freaky Styling. I can't stick with that one. Um I don't know. Um there's some good like Eddie Hazel, the guitarist from Funkadelic, as I kind of fall back into that world, he had a solo album. He did. Uh, he did. A, there's a couple of songs on there that would work. Um, that I that the name escapes me. So uh, maybe just play that album kind of quietly. It's called like guitar. It's like dames, games, and guitar things. Just play that album at my at my funeral. That'd be perfect.
0: Fuck yeah. Well, hopefully that. Hopefully that answer will change four more times, and you live to be a hundred.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Um, Aaron Peanut, I'm very, very grateful that you did this. Like I said, huge, to- huge fucking fan, huge fan. And by the way, I gotta say this: I'm also a massive fan of Omaha. Like Omaha, the city of Omaha has got a special place in my heart. I've been performing there for probably eleven years, and oh, so cool,
1: cool. I love that. Love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, super, cool, super cool people. Lots of opportunity. People are going to give a fuck if they show up, they super give a fuck and they're going to throw down. They're not going to be thinking they, they you know, wishing they could be somewhere else.
0: <laughs> That's a very play way to put it. <laughs> it. happens. Hey brother, thank you for doing this. Stay safe. I hope to do, do this again with you soon in person. Yeah, let's do it. Take care. Awesome. Thank you, brother.
1: Yep. Anytime.